All right, Anthony on Air Podcast, welcome in for another episode. Frankie C is in the house. How you doing, my man? Doing all right. Nice and warm over here. Is Ellen not a nice person is the topic of our podcast today. And uh, a couple things up front. Obviously, we're aware of the situation that's ongoing in the world in the wake of George Floyd's passing. Uh, we are sensitive to that. Um, we did not put out anything on Blackout Tuesday, actually, in respect for that. Um, but we're back to giving you a distraction from the real world and regular life and your job so that you can laugh a little bit and we'll see what's what. That's first thing. Just providing some fun. That's all. A little fun. Attempting. An attempt at fun, as we've been, uh, as we've we been saying. We yeah, absolutely. The other thing is, I don't really love uh, gossiping about celebrities in a negative way. That's not really my thing. I think that celebrities, for the most part, are nice people and get a bad rap because they'll have like a bad uh, exchange with somebody here or a rough thing with somebody there. You yeah, know. you've been you've been talking about you've been bringing this up for a while and we never really got to the reason why you think Ellen DeGeneres is not a good person. Yeah, I've been tracking this one. Uh, I have the Steve Sharippa from The Sopranos clip to play for you. And then I have the article about what happened to her crew during COVID-19 or my two pieces of evidence. Uh, which one would you like to hear first, Frank? Let's go with the uh, Steve Sharippa. Okay. Now, again, before I play this clip, I just want to reiterate that uh, these could be two odd coincidences and Ellen could be the nicest person ever. Uh, great. This is just fun little speculation. Don't take our words on this for anything more than just like passing the time uh, on a uh, random Thursday. So here's Steve Shrippa. So for those of you who don't know, Steve Shrippa, Bobby Bacala on The Sopranos, before he really became Bobby Bacala on The Sopranos and thus a real actor, uh, he would do little background roles and things and, you know, extra work and stuff like that. And his main job was booking the comedy club in the Riviera Hotel in Las Vegas. That was his job. Uh, he would schedule the comics from all over the, the world, the country, and they would come in and they would do their certain dates. And if you're unfamiliar with this, in Vegas, there's small, tiny clubs and then there's big rooms. And usually there's one person who's booking them all. So there'll be like a medium act in the, in the small club. There'll be like a Jerry Seinfeld or an Ellen in the big in the big room. And that's how it works. And Stripper was responsible for doing that for the Riviera. For the most part, and again, being in the in the place of where, in the world where I'm in, and Frank's been in radio for a lot, we know how important it is the people that run clubs, run venues. I've always been super nice to those people. The acts are always super nice to those people. They're very cordial. You know, it's the oddest thing in the world when you have somebody who's you're paying somebody fifty, seventy-five, a hundred thousand dollars for a night of entertainment. You're handing them that cash. And they're you know, not going to be nice to you, you know, uh, right? right? So what happened? Let's get to the clip. Come on. So what do we got? He gets the Sopranos. He goes through the season. They get nominated for the Emmys. They the HBO tells Shrippa, you can go to the Emmys with your wife. He's at the Emmys. He sees Ellen, who he booked at the Riviera just a short while ago before he became Bobby Bacala. Let's let Steve Shrippa pick it up. Going into season three. I never do this. I never go up to celebrities. I'm in my tux. I'm very excited. The Emmy Awards. I mean, I was a fucking bouncer not that long ago. I see Ellen DeGeneres, who worked for me in Vegas. I go to the bathroom. I come out. I wash my hands. I say... That was kind of you. Yeah. That's Michael Imperioli, by the way. This is from the Talking Sopranos podcast. He was making a reference to COVID right there when he said he washed his hands. Ellen's talking year. to somebody. I say, excuse me, I hate to interrupt. Ellen, I don't know if you remember me, but, you know, I used to run the Riviera, the improv at the Riviera, and you worked for me. She dismissed me like I was a piece of gum on her shoe. Like, how dare you talk to me? Wow. Honestly. And it wasn't, oh, yeah, even a fake. Hey, yeah, good to see you. How you doing? Just dismiss me. I fucking slinked away. Slinked away like an asshole. Uh, so that's that's the... Uh, well, I need, more, I need more information there. I mean, dismissed me? What does that mean? Did she say anything? Did she just turn away? That's all he said, uh, what, that she dismissed him. She didn't say, oh, yeah, thanks, nice to meet you. Now, okay, now the reason why I brought up all the preamble was 
you've been in this business for how long? Like, even when you don't really remember somebody, you go, oh, yeah, yeah, how are you? Good to see you again. How's everything going? True. But I got to know what dismissed means. Like, what did she, like, you know, like, was she in the middle of a, a sentence and he interrupted? I feel like that maybe I'm giving Ellen the benefit of the doubt. Go ahead. I'm glad you are. Because sometimes you're in the middle of something very important. And if someone comes up to you, I, I hate to, but you're like, give me a minute, you know, like kind of thing. She could have been. She could have been having. She could have been in the middle of something serious. Who knows? Could have been having a bad day. Again, like I say all the time, these people could have just found out their uh, mother-in-law died, you know, and. Uh, could have been anything. They got to show up at the show and they got to smile and all these people are, what are you wearing and why are you doing this? And why don't you, why, you look like you gained two and a half pounds and. You know, all that garbage. You got to put up with all that shit. You know, that's not easy. She could have been in a bad mood and maybe she misheard him or something. Who knows? That could be the case. But if I can retort, there is, again, this very special relationship between a performer and a booker. Because it doesn't really matter. I mean, it does matter how popular you are. But if you ask any performer from a singer to a comic, to whatever, you have to be nice to the person who's giving you a job. Sharippa was legitimately giving her, I know she's Ellen DeGeneres and she could go and play anywhere, but it's still, for the most part, performers are very nice. Again, I was, I've was i been backstage at a lot of shows to introduce acts and whatever. I've seen a lot of bookers and, and, and theater owners and things. Yeah, of course. You, you got to be nice to everybody, little people, big people. But I got to say, the, the way he told the story was not very descriptive. There wasn't a lot of detail there. What, did, what exactly did he say? Did she say anything? Who was she talking to? How many people were around? Was it in front of cameras? Was it not? Was the, you know, maybe the... He, I don't know, he he went on to say that George Clooney, he saw George Clooney and George Clooney was super nice to him. Courtney Cox was super nice to him before he was really hugely popular. Like all he went on and named all these celebs that were like super duper nice to him. OK, all I'm saying is. I need more information from that story. That story was not very descriptive of the situation. It's not could a great... Been, he could have been right on the money. He could have been, you know, she could have snubbed him, and that was that. But I don't know what she did exactly. All he said was dismissed me. What does that mean? Does, did he well, say, you're dismissed? Be, maybe she just turned around and was like, and just kept her conversation going. Did she ignore him? That's, so that's a, what that's he said. He, he said... No, he, he said dismissed. Well, that what what do you what, what are you doing? What are we doing here? Dismissed. What do you want? Like she didn't acknowledge. Well, what him. does that mean? Because he said well, he didn't acknowledge. No, 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 no. Dismisses. I acknowledge you, but you can go now, kind of thing. But he said just fake it and be like, "Oh yeah, how are you? Thank you know, how's everything? You know, that's all. That, yeah. That's not that yeah, hard." Maybe she misheard. He doesn't exactly, you know, he's not a, a public speaker. You know, he doesn't exactly have the. The greatest diction in the world. What do you say? Maybe. His accent's a little heavy. Is that what you're trying to say? His accent's a little heavy. I thought, okay, that was as a little... an Italian person. Oh, I can admit that Italians, to... when they when they throw on the heavy accent, it could be a little confusing. Now you're trying to justify the stereotype. Okay, all right, go ahead. No stereotype. I'm saying him <laughs> specifically. He has a little bit of a, a heavy Italian accent or a Brooklyn accent. Not really Italian, like from Italy. It's more of a New York, Brooklyn accent. All right, but she could have said, well, I'm sorry, who? Or I, I don't remember you or whatever. My point Maybe, is... I don't know. My yeah, point I, is, I don't know. Is that if somebody comes over to you, and believe me, there's plenty of times where I fans have been annoying. I've seen that too. I've seen people come up to other people and be incredibly rude to them. Incredibly yeah. rude. Um, I actually had that once or twice actually happen to me. Somebody was very rude to me. Um, but... Uh, well, who the hell are you? Again, not to, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to play. Like, <laughs> you guys all know I'm not putting myself in these categories. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, on my tiny little level, people have been rude to me. So I, I've seen a lot of that stuff, too. So she yeah, could have been a little... She could have been a little sensitive to it. But my point is, is that when... Like, I've had people come up to me with, like, a little bit of an attitude. And then they'd be like, oh, I work here or I do this or this. I work for this person. Like, oh, okay. 
if they're in the business, if they know, you know, it's a, it's different. You should be nicer. Not to say that you shouldn't be nice to a fan. Of course, you should be nice to a fan. But he's he's in a tuxedo. He's at the Emmys. Like obviously, he's like in the business, and he, you know, like be like it's not. Yeah, he's that, not behind the ropes. It's not that hard to be nice. It's really not that hard to yeah, be nice. No, you're right. Because yeah, the, the, she she should have said so. She could have been more uh, nicer. Uh, that if that's the way the story went. And I have no reason to believe otherwise then she should have been nicer because the thing is, is in that particular case, like you may be on top of the mountain one, one day. And then one day you're not going to be, and you're going to rely on all those people. You know what I mean? And yeah, you don't want to be that asshole in the crowd. I feel absolutely. No, you, you got to be nice to everybody, especially people in your line of work. I mean, even not you know, the fans, if you're, if, especially if you're a celebrity, you just because then the reputations start spinning around and you start losing work and stuff like so I, it's not a good it's not a good look for anybody and the other thing too is is when you go to a, an award show as a celebrity that's work like you're at work you're on the clock basically, if you yeah. if you tell me that oh i saw ellen at a cafe with her kids and i went up to her and she was so rude to me well then you know what you 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 kind of deserve to be rude to because she was with her kids she's with her family you know what i mean like leave her right. alone but yeah, you're, you're on the red carpet. You're expected to be. It's a socializing event. Thank you. Yeah. All right. I agree. Your right, Honor. The second piece of uh, Your of, Honor. Uh, I rest my. I feel like I can rest my case off of this. Off of that one right there. All well, right. true. I just uh, I need this second piece now. What do we got? Here's the second piece, and I'm very sensitive to people who don't take care of their people. You know what I'm saying? When you're in a position of where Ellen is in, you got makeup people, you got wardrobe people, lighting people, sound people, all these pe producers, they're all there and their entire job is to make you look good and, and, and presentable. Be nice to these people. So right. her crew got all up in arms a couple of weeks ago when we were first teasing this that she wasn't communicating. Nobody was communicating to the staff and the crew over at the Ellen show about what was going to happen when they were shutting down production because of the virus, right? Oh. So this was an exclusive from Variety. The core stage crew from the Ellen DeGeneres show, consisting of more than 30 employees, received no written communication about the status of their working hours, pay, or inquiries about their mental and physical health from producers over for over a month, said two sources both of whom spoke, spoke on the condition of anonymity. Higher-ups in the production would occasionally answer phone calls, but reveal very little. Added one of the sources, the crew was further incensed by the show's recent hire of an outside, non-union tech company to help the generous tape remotely from her home in California. So she's got a crew that tapes her show, right? Yeah. The lighting guys, the camera crew, all those guys, okay? She's got to do the show from home because of the virus. She doesn't get her everyday camera guy, her everyday lighting guy or gal or whoever. She goes outside and hires another crew altogether. When production executives finally did weigh in, nearly all the crew members were told last week to brace for a 60% reduction in pay. Even as the show continues to air, according to sources close to the matter. So... Show is still on the air. Commercials are still being shown. Money is still being brought in. And she, I shouldn't say just she, because it's not entirely her, has the balls to be like, you guys have to take a 60%, the camera guys, a 60% reduction in pay. When Well, isn't that, wouldn't their union kick in then and say, uh, no, I can't. You can't. You have no right to do that. I'm not sure. The show isn't losing money. What's the why? Why is sixty percent cut? Only four crew members. Only four core crew members currently work on the remote version of the broadcast. Added insiders who find this treatment to be totally inconsistent with DeGeneres' daily message to her audience: "Be kind." A spokesperson for Warner Brothers Television, which distributes the show, told Variety, "Our executive producers and telepictures." Uh, are committed to taking care of our staff and crew and have made decisions first and foremost with them in mind. The studio reiterated the crew has been paid consistently through the through uh, at reduced hours. 
For more than two weeks, from late March to April 9th, crew members from lighting to camera to operations and grips were left in the dark uh, about if and how much they would be paid. Phone calls to crew members from the production coordinator at Telepictures and Warner Brothers you know, were sporadic and often lacking any information. Yeah, that, that someone needs to be on top of that. And that is not cool. If you have a crew, people that depend on you for their job, you got to take care of them. That's, that's messed up. Now, I will say, for as much flack as he gets in the world, you know, because you might say you're counting Ellen's money or blah, blah. How much do you think Ellen makes for this show? Lots. She's probably in the 40 to $50 million a year range, by the, you know, by this time. Maybe maybe 30. I mean, right. Jesus. What do you think these guys are making? 80000 a yeah. year? 90000 yeah. Whatever they're making, right? You can't pick up the tab on 30 people? 30 people? You can't help? Here. Don't worry about it. And how it's much money me. could they be losing? I mean, I know advertising. I guess advertising... People aren't spending much on advertising. Yeah, uh, but lately. still, her show was airing. Nothing changed for Ellen. It may have been airing, but Clorox still got to advertise. Nah, people Clorox pulled money. Clorox increased their advertising. They're one of her. She's a daytime show. It's detergents and dish soaps, and you know. True, but but who knows? Maybe they lost a lot of money from it. Uh, you know, people pulling out because. They got to take care of their people. You know what? Maybe, maybe they did, no but what. it's that's their business. That's up to them to rebound on that one. And my point is this. Uh, Jay Leno, for as much flack as he gets, right? There was a couple of times where NBC went to him and said, look, we got to cut costs. It's, you know, we're, we're not making enough money, blah, 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 whatever it is. We got, you got to let go of some crew. You know, he never, not once, let any crew members go. He would say... <laughs> Take it out of my pay. He was making twenty million a That's, year back then. He would say, "Just take it out of my pay. We're not letting anybody go." That's honorable. That's the way to do it. That's a classy. That's a classy person. That is a that's classy a great person. Way to do it. You know. Yeah, I agree. Look, it's one thing if and you how much. It's one thing if you own a restaurant, and you're eking out a living, and you're you you know you can't take care of your crew. That's one thing. That's understandable. Nobody's talking no, about. No, but if you're rolling in thirty thirty million a year or whatever, come on. Yeah, no, that's 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 effed up. I wonder how much. Like, is there any statement from Ellen on that? I think the the studio continued to defend her, but the, but nothing really nothing really came from. I didn't really see anything else on this. Yeah, I don't know how you. Hey, defend anything like that. I mean, that's you got to take care of your people, um, especially when if you're making millions like that. There's no excuse for that unless you're unaware of, unless you're totally oblivious, which I can't imagine she would be. Um, she seems like the person that works very closely with her crew, uh, with all the the bits that she does. All right, now this, this was an article in the Mercury News a week later, a week after the Variety article came out, and it was updated on April 28th, so four days after that. Ellen DeGeneres, who is worth an estimated $330 million, garnered lots of positive press last week when she announced that she and her wife, Portia, were donating a million dollars to a cause that supports vulnerable communities during the coronavirus, but it appears this announcement showcasing the generous and active generosity and community spirit didn't sit well with the more than 30 uh, people who have long worked with her behind the scenes. So still. So still, yeah. The and day after the DeGeneres' donation announcement, the crew members took their complaints about poor treatment from her and the show's executives to Variety. Oh, so this is just like recapping that whole, uh, that whole thing. They just did it a week later. Well... If that's all true, then that is messed up. You know, you got to look out for your people. And that's not a good, that's not a good look for someone with that kind of reputation. You know, she's got a, I'm the nice person reputation. That's, that's the whole thing. It's, it's almost not so much about the money, right? Because she gave a million dollars to a nice charity. That was nice. It's not about the money. It's about taking care of your, your people. Yeah. Just do something for them. Be in, in communication with them. Yeah, not cool. You got to look out for people. I don't know who else runs the show there, but it's her show. Right. She should be in charge. You know, she should take the, the reins when something like that happens. Right. And hey, listen, I'm all for if something like that happens and gets called out, 
make it right. You know, I'm all for that. That's it. You just take care of your, your guys and your gals. You know, these are your people, like I said, who are looking out for you on a daily basis. You can't throw them a bone yeah. and be like, I got you guys like covered. Our crew. You know, we take care of our crew here. Right. Uh, <laughs> no, they're, they're all on vacation. They're all out, out of town. No, but it's the truth, though. I mean, like how many times you just you pick one another up. You just you, you go with it. You just, you know, you got it. Those are your people. It's not cool. You got a whole team behind you. This is your show. They're your family. You got to do stuff for them. Right? So, again, like, this is not like I saw Ellen on the street and she was rude to me. These are like, this is a big, this is a big, big thing. Right? I mean, and I don't want to. The first one with the soprano guy, I could, I could see as being a one off. Something happened, maybe, but with this on top of it, it's a little fishy. It's a little weird. It's not. Uh, it's two in a row there. It's not good. Sharipa even called uh, De Niro uh, an asshole later on in the thing. Really? Yeah. Which For I which I found surprising. Just said that he had worked with him and he was not very nice. And do you want to hear it? I'll play it for you. Sure. And and that's rough too because Imperioli was in Goodfellas with him. Yeah, you know. Oh, we might get hit with it. He helped dig the hole. So I used to do a lot of Tonight here. shows. So I got to meet a lot of celebrities there. I used to do. I was a correspondent for Leno, so I used to do the bits. And Clooney couldn't be a nicer guy. Courtney Cox couldn't be nicer. I mean, some of the biggest stars—they're just nice people. And you're surprised when they know you. Ball players, you know, uh, Kobe years ago gave me a hug in a nickname and, and it's a stuff. And then you got assholes. Now, De Niro, we know, is an asshole. Uh, not because of his politics. I worked with him. He couldn't be ruder. You say hello to him, he's stuck for a fucking answer if he doesn't have a script. You don't have to answer. I don't want to get you involved in this. I were, I mean, I worked on Goodfellas with him, and he was very, very kind. You know, okay. I was a young actor, and right. just started, and he maybe uh, he didn't like me. You know. I, I, maybe he just didn't like me. So that's that's possible, and that's okay. See, so you know, again, maybe, okay, maybe it's him. Maybe, may, maybe likes this guy. Maybe it's maybe Shrimp is an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Shrimp could be the the, the, the outcast of the, of the acting community. We don't know, but I mean, We're nowhere near it. It just goes to show you, though, like, you know, here's Imperioli going, I don't know, I was a young actor. He was nice to me. I've heard people say plenty of nice things about De Niro that have worked with De Niro, you know, and have said nice things about him working with him. Yeah, I can't imagine him being a jerk. I could I could see him being a nice guy, but I don't know. That's it's it's hard. To, I mean, what, what did he do? How did he do we know how he treated him? What he no, said? no, that's all. That's all he said. He moved on to. To somebody else. I mean, now, now I've heard that about De Niro that if he doesn't have a script, he doesn't. You know, he does, he's not really one for words. He doesn't like talking a lot. I've heard that. Oh, that's not it. That's doesn't mean you're an asshole. Per, it doesn't mean you're an asshole. It means you don't know. You're not socially um, adapted. You know, adaptive. I guess. Yeah, and there is, and here's the other thing too. I will give a little bit more of a pass to those who are on that like iconic level which i feel like ellen is on her way to and super close to but but you're talking about de niro like even at work when de niro is trying to act and prepare there's like 50 you know people around him that are just trying to slip him a script or talk to him or tell him what they mean to him yeah he's got to be hassled all the time i that's a that's a rough spot like it's the same thing with paul mccartney like paul mccartney cannot walk down the street he means so much to so many people. There are just certain people where you can't, you know, you just. I wonder how many people are in disguise. Like how many, like you ever think like I, wa- I want maybe walked past McCartney and maybe he was in disguise and I didn't even know. Probably. I wonder how, how creative and effective these disguises are. Like I'm not talking like a hat and glasses. I'm talking like they put prosthetics on or something. Oh, I don't. I think even hat and glasses would do the trick in most cases because people would just write it off. They just keep yeah, going. You, just, you don't make. Yeah, maybe. You know, I I don't even Depends think it has on to who be, you're talking about. 
Yeah, I don't even think it has to be complicated, but wearing like a prost- like if Schwarzenegger walked down the walked down the street in a hat and sunglasses, I think you'd know it's Schwarzenegger. Probably the taller ones can't really tall, huge. Yeah, I mean they they stand they stand out no matter what. Do you remember? I don't know if you were with me at the Islander game that one time when we were kids. Do you remember this? We're we're I I went to an Islander game when I was a kid. I don't know if you were with me. I feel like you might have been. And this was back when the Islanders sucked, and it was like twelve bucks for a ticket. So we would go, and Zdeno Char was on the team at the time, and he's seven feet tall. You know, without skates on, he's huge, huge. And there was a there's a place where you could wait and outside the arena where all the players would leave because we, their parking was right there. You knew where the players would park, so people would line up there. And most of the players were nice and gracious and would just sign autographs. Zdeno Chara, for whatever reason decided that he didn't want to sign autographs or mingle with the people that day. So he left from a separate entrance, like 40 feet away. Yes. You remember this, right? I was there. And, and one person was like, is that Zidane Chara?" And we look over and there's this seven foot monster. It's just, nah, I don't think that's him. And needless to say, it did not. And it was even worse because everybody then swarmed him. Whereas if he would have just came out the regular entrance, there was barricades there. And it's if you want yeah. to sign or not. I think I, I vaguely remember a huge crowd running toward him. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's funny. Yeah, so Schwarzenegger. Yeah, you're going to stand out. You, you're not hiding. Yeah. I think there isn't there. I mean, there, it was at the Coliseum. There are player entrances where you could just drive out. Like there's garages. Like, now, yeah. He wanted now, to sneak away. He could have snuck away. He could have. Back then, though, they weren't doing that. Now they they let the players park underneath. They let them drive underneath and park uh, in the exhibit in the exhibit hall there. But but the, back then they weren't doing that. You had to just go. And that I was feel really like they do. They're doing the the players come out thing away less now. I mean, not now. Now, I mean nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Well, because it got it probably got out of control. You know, with autographs and eBay and all that stuff. Because mo- most yeah, of the time, it's sad. it's 40-year-olds 40 that are going to put something on eBay and, and like one 10-year-old, and all you want to do is sign for the 10-year-old. You can't do it because of the guys, you know. That's sad. I mean, the, the whole eBay thing, like, how do you authenticate that? You got to, I mean, unless you're there, you get the picture. I don't they know. take pictures. I, That's what they do. They take they pictures. They take pictures, and they say, here's a picture of him signing this thing. Yeah. yeah. I guess. There should be like a... A way to weed that out. I mean, I guess they have every right to. I don't know. It just seems weird to me and odd. Like they're not there for the for the guy that it's to make money. It's kind of weird. Yeah. You should have you should have to have like a ticket, like a ticket to the game maybe, or you know, like well, to prove that you're there as a fan. It's a popular thing on online. I, I watched it for a little while and I stopped because I was like, I'm contributing to this where people will like accost people at their hotels. Like they know what hotels all the celebs stay at and they not only will get them to sign stuff, but they got, they got their buddy from TMZ or whatever filming just in case, just, like it's almost like provoking them. It's like, come on, sign. Like, and then you, and then they see the uh, camera. was like a jerk. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they kind of like are almost backing them into this corner of like, I got to sign this autograph for this guy. And he's just going to stick it on eBay. I would sign like, screw you or something. <laughs> right. But who's really buying autographs anymore anyway? I mean, I feel like in the Mickey Mantle <laughs> days, like. Draw the middle finger. Yeah, but I feel like like an autograph now. Who's buying an an autographed anything anymore? It just feels very. No, we're not. But there, I feel like there are people out there that'll buy. Depends on who you are, and what you're signing. You're not just gonna sign. You know, you're not gonna buy a piece of paper with a signature. I mean, if you have like, I don't know, a DVD copy, you know, or a, a fo- framed photo, yeah, of like De Niro and he signed it. That's big. People would pay for that. Uh, yes, I guess so. I, I guess so. But I feel like if you got a Lady Gaga autograph, like, who cares? That's big. There are people. She's huge. She's people huge. That. But that's my point. Like, she's huge. But, like, you know. Maybe she's. I don't know what her. And maybe she signs a lot. Maybe she doesn't sign a lot. There are people who don't sign very much so that their autographs go up. You know, they sign one thing a year, maybe. And, yeah. You know, so that it's rare. 
I feel like though, and this has been like a little theory of mine for a while. I feel like when the reason autographs got started was because you wanted to prove that you met that you met the person. You yeah. met the person. So now it's selfies. And now it's selfies. Yeah. So that, that autographs are. I, that's why I don't think autographs are as much because people will be like, "Who cares?" Like if you came, if two people walked into you and they were like, "I got Lady Gaga's autograph," and another person was like, "Look, I got his picture with Lady Gaga," you yeah, I want to see the picture. You want to see the picture? You don't give a shit about the autograph. Yeah, the pic- picture's better. Yeah, it's autographs ha- are now the for like if, uh, legends. You got to get legends or else nobody really cares. Or older people that aren't around. I could see that being like a valuable thing. Yeah, I mean, if you got McCartney's autograph, that's that's big. But the weird thing is, is like you can sell an autograph, like you can sell an autographed record. You you can't sell a selfie. No, that's true. Which is weird. I, that, that's why. Yeah. I mean, that's why. You're right. Like, I feel like 90 percent of autographs are now for just people to sell. And then the 10 percent for them. It's for themselves. You yeah. get an autograph. It's like, oh, look, I got someone to sign this. But like, yeah, it's it's. I feel like the same people who got autographs, yeah, 90% of them went over to selfies. Because it's easier. It's, it's le- I feel like it's maybe less hassle for the celebrity. A little bit. I mean, if it's a quick boom. As opposed to them sitting there signing a million things. Yeah. You know. People still will have somebody sign like a playbill after the play, though. I see You see that a lot yeah. in Broadway. And I, and also like memorabilia, like guitars are big. If an autographed guitar is huge, right? Or drums, or whatever the hell it is. Or baseball, you know, or football, it, basketball, baseball. Yeah, yeah. If it's a if it's a an item that is symbolic of what that person does, then it's. I feel like it's big. Do you have any like treasured autographs? I have, and you were with me when I got this one. Mike Richter's autograph on my jersey. I was with you. Yeah, we went to Madison Square Garden. We waited outside. Yes. And Mike Richter walked out. I was wearing the jersey at the time. Mike Richter walked out, and he signed the. I turned around. He signed the number. He signed the, the five. Do you still back. have? Do you still have the water bottle? I do. That's awesome. The water bottle that you got. <laughs> do you want to tell it? I. I, it's my favorite story ever because it's it's we were it was it was it with Malloy was it the Malloy team I think it was or was I was it because I was working there I forget now yeah it was you were working there as a I don't know yeah you were at working at the guard at uh, Coliseum it wasn't the Malloy game okay I don't know if I was coaching the Malloy no. team that's right yeah I was working at the and I never I by the way I worked for the Islanders never took a thing from them ever like i was terrified and there was there was so much garbage just lying around that would like meant the world to me and the people that would work there would just like throw it in a corner of the office and i would be like oh my god like what are you like hang that up on the wall like what are you doing like they just never cared about anything i never took anything the one thing i took it was the day after like was it the day after i feel like it was the day after i don't know why I feel like it would have to it have to be it was considering the, the object it was the day after the Ranger Islander game. It might have been at like morning skate. And I never, ever went on the benches either. But for some reason, I was. I, that's why it makes me feel like it was at the Malloy game, maybe. I don't remember now. But, uh, but there, was a, there was a bottle on, in the, on the bench, and it had number 35 on it, and it had orange juice in it. I'll never forget that. It, had it smells. Juice. It still smelled like orange juice for a while. Really? After you emptied it, yeah. And, Not anymore, but it did. And I was like, what is this? And somebody was like, I don't know. And I was like, is this Mike Richter's from last night? And the guy said, that would have made sense. He didn't play last night. He wasn't feeling well or something like that. Or he was sick. And I was like, uh, thank you. <laughs> yep. See ya. Yeah, I have it somewhere. It's, I think I, it's in a box in the attic. I don't, I don't have it out. Anymore. Yeah. But it still has the tape, piece of tape around it. It says thirty-five. So when you sell that one day for fifty grand, I want I want my cut, son of a bitch. First of all, no <laughs> one's gonna believe. Yeah, this was Mike Richter's, or it's a Powerade bottle I put tape around. <laughs> Is it weird that like, 
like I don't have, I don't know if this is sad or normal, but I don't have anything like an autograph or something like that, like from like the last 10 or 15 years that means anything to me. Like all my autograph stuff is like from when I was like a kid and I had like gotten some autographs, but like, you don't have any memorabilia. I'm trying to think. I don't, I don't think I really have anything. Why am I all grainy? I don't think I have anything from the last few years that really like. It's just trippy. You look like you're in a club right now. It was for a second. You have nothing. I cannot off the top of my head think of anything that I've gotten. I still have have this. My Hacksaw Jim Duggan (laughs) 2x4. Love it. What else do I have? Yeah, I have have the water bottle. I have my autographed jersey. I have four framed pictures of the four members of KISS autographed. Um, I, I honestly hope something bad happens to you in why? the near future. KISS. KISS is great. Okay. You great lo- live. You love KISS all of a sudden? I don't love KISS. I like KISS. They, I saw them live. And you'd be surprised how many songs you go, oh, shit, that's KISS. Holy yeah. shit. And they're and I gotta say, their live show, it's like a circus. It's it's, it's amazing. It's nonstop, freaking fire, they're flying all over the place. It's a show. They put on a show. So did you get their the autographs or were... did you buy an autograph picture of them? No, this was my cousin when he moved out of his house, he gave me the, his pictures. Oh, okay. I don't know where he got them. All right. No, but that, they're good. That I means mean, the, that means the world to you, though. No, it doesn't mean the world to me. I'm just <laughs> we were listing things we have autographs of. I don't know. I don't know, but like, does it mean anything? To, like, is it like if I took your kiss autograph, which I'm definitely going to no. do if I get the chance? I'm going to steal that from your house just because. Um, I won't notice for weeks because it's it's in my basement <laughs> and I, uh, I never really look at you know go down there too much. Yeah, I don't think I have anything else autographed. I remember when we at that same game, that Richter game that I got my jersey autographed, we saw Tim Robbins. Do you remember that? Yep. Yeah. Tim Robbins. <laughs> of course, I, like a stupid kid, I ran up to him and I got his autograph in a notebook that I had. Like, what was I going <laughs> to do with that? I just opened to a page and he signed it first. Like he had the pen and it didn't work. He went to sign his name. And nothing came out of the pen. So I was like, oh, oh, and he and he tried again. And then he tried it like a third time. And finally, a little bit came out. And it was like, I was like, all right, I'm not going to ask you to do anything better. This is great. Thank you. <laughs> this is why and celebrities are so, subway. are so mean to everybody. Because he's signing that going, this is going to be in this guy's basement in five years. He's not. I don't even care. know where it is. It's in, it was in like a high school <laughs> or college notebook that I don't know where it is. I, I no idea. <laughs> I don't even know why I was carrying it. But you ruined his day asking for it, and he almost missed the train. I'm sure he rem- looks back on that day and remembers it fondly. Yeah. I just thought of something. The, the Howard Stern photo that he took of me, he signed the back. He wrote, he wrote and signed the back. It was very, very nice what he did. That, that means the world There you go. Me. Yeah, I just thought of something. The world to you. That, that means the world to me. That was a very nice thing that he didn't have to do. But you know what I want to talk about more importantly? Isn't it amazing, like Tim Robbins, like Susan Sarandon, the the celebrities that hop on the subway yeah like there's a certain class of celebrity that will just take the subway they don't care that's like, true like that famous video of keanu reeves when he was like sitting on the subway and he got up to give his chair to some other woman like how like he's just on the yeah and what's great is that nobody kind of nobody bothers him i guess i you know we didn't see anything yeah but for the most part people are like oh it's keanu reeves yeah <laughs> just on the subway yeah well, it's Colin Quinn, uh, Aaron is teen on the subway. Um, I, I never remember this guy's name, but he was also in Shawshank, uh, believe it or not. Let's see. I got to look him up now or else this will kill me. Did I ever tell you my Colin Quinn, I embarrassed the crap out of myself story? No. I never told you this. William Sadler, if you know who that is. Oh, that sounds familiar. What, you got a picture? Yeah. Yep. I've seen him. Saw him on the subway. Yeah. But God. Um, 
so Colin Quinn, I had him in studio. He came in studio and mm-hmm. he could, he was very, very nice. He came and hung out. He was promoting a show. He had like a little residency. It was one of the shows that Seinfeld was directing. Um, and I remember that because I remember him saying like, what's it like to get directed by Jerry? And he, his answer was shocking because he's like, I thought he was just sticking his name on it to give me like a little extra publicity. He's like, when he showed up on the first day and it's like, why don't you do this instead? I was like, Oh shit. You're really, you're really going to do this? You're really actually directing. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I love that answer. He's just, <laughs> but, um, he's actually doing the work. He's actually doing the work. He actually wanted to to direct it. But um, what's the basketball movie about the Celtics with uh, Dan Aykroyd? Celtic Pride? Dan Aykroyd? Yeah. Is it Celtic Pride? That sounds maybe familiar. Yes, Celtic Pride. So So I love Colin Quinn. Right. I know all about Colin Quinn, but he's coming in. He's going to spend like two hours with me. So I'm like, I better do my homework. So I go and I look up his IMDb and I'm doing all my research and like, oh, turns out he wrote Celtic Pride. So I'm like, that's amazing. I love that movie. It's one of those cheesy, corny, awful movies. Do you remember the movie at all? I remember it, but I never, I've never seen it. I know of it. Yeah, it's, it's with uh, Daniel Stern. Like Daniel Stern. Yeah, it's like one of those crazy, wacky movies. And so I'm like, it's one of those movies that like I, I used to watch like all the time, like on repeat. Like it would just come mm-hmm. on, and I just watch it and watch it and watch it and watch it. So I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. This movie it means so much to me. He wrote it. Like we're gonna connect on this. So it's like one of the first things I bring up to him. I go, you wrote Celtic Pride. I love that movie. He goes, actually, he's like, I wrote the first draft. They took it from me, completely bastardized it, changed the whole thing. Oh, no. And left my name on as a writing credit just to pay me off. (laughs) (laughs) What did you say to that? like oh my god i was like i feel because you know me i give it the 15 minute ramble up i'm like building it up like and it, and i was this six and it was great and i watched it i could say every line and i'm going on and on and he's like uh-huh uh-huh yeah, yeah it was one of the worst experiences <laughs> of my professional life <laughs> he's like you he, dick he finally gets a greenlit movie i think it was like the first one he ever wrote and they totally stole it from him gutted it like pushed him out like all and i just i rem- that's what i said i was like i cannot believe i brought i like, brought up this horrible memory for you and he was like so cool about it he was like no he's like it's okay we're talking about it but i felt like such an asshole for that <laughs> like any yeah, bit of should. any bit of real genuine research and i probably would have found out the story but i was just like imdb oh okay write it down and i just like moved on oh you're one of those assholes <laughs> it wasn't after that day, my friend. I learned my lesson on uh, that's that. That's a one. lesson learned. Yeah, absolutely. It really is. It really is. <laughs> All right. Um, so that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Uh, a pleasure. I don't know if we're going to have absolutely. an episode tomorrow, Friday. Might not have one, but that's okay. Because we'll be together in spirit. Maybe we will. I'm not sure. We'll see how it goes for a Friday hey, show. If if we do, I'm around. Let me know. Okay. Um, I don't know what that is behind you, and I don't know if I want to know. It's up to you. Yeah. You want to know? I do. You're not going to cut me off before I start talking about it. <laughs> Your finger's on the button, I can tell. Okay. <laughs> this is a tiki glass. <laughs> yeah, let me get it. It's a tiki glass? No, I'm not going to really get it. Get it um, it's a glass that I got from what used to be one of my favorite restaurants, Joe's Crab Shack. And it's just like you go there and when you order a special drink, they give you the glass. They, you know, they give you a free glass with it. Yeah. And I have like I have like a dozen of them in my, in my cabinet. They're like my regular glass set now. <laughs> and they're heavy. They're heavy duty. Like, tea, you know, they have like a tiki design on the front and they're they're awesome glasses and they used to give them out to you and then joe's crab jack started not doing very well and then they went out of business and 
And this is the memory I have of Joe's Crab Shack. Because they were garbage. I love that place. <laughs> Why did you? I, they used to be really good in the beginning. The food, like they, I remember they used to give you those pots with all the all the crab and all the like the potatoes and the sausage and the seasoning. It was great. Yeah. Then towards the end, I went there. You know, no special promotion glasses, and the pot was like halfway full. Oh, and that's it wasn't fine. as much as they give you. And it was just going. It was just dipping and dipping and dipping, and then it finally. Uh, Joe's Crab Shack is no more. It was a chain restaurant. Yeah, but was, but they're gone now. And I, I I used to love them. They were great. They used to be really good. It was all those tiki glasses they were giving away that they couldn't. Uh... But hey, they stocked up my my cabinet though. <laughs> I have like I literally have like a dozen of them. Oh man, I think I have a theory on like fast food places and chain restaurants that they they do things a certain way for the first like six months to a year, and then it's like okay. Now we can, you know. Now we've got them. Yeah. Let's, uh, let me see if I can get this. Like, I feel like, like at McDonald's or Burger King or whatever, when they come out with a new, like, food item, like, it's, it's fantastic for the first three weeks. And then for the next three weeks, it's just garbage and small and worse. And maybe I feel like McDonald's, though, places like that, the big ones, they're kind of consistent. Like, if they make something, it's the same the next, you know. Yeah, this is, it's, it's tiki <laughs> but it's heavy it's like a heavy it's heavy glass. glass it's it's a good one do you remember i remember going to burger king because burger king would do glasses like they would do get like you would buy a meal or whatever and get a glass and i had like we had like yeah. four or five glasses burger king glasses there was burger king glasses there were mcdonald's glasses and i remember in the 90s and i think my mom has them at her house. We got um, when Batman and Batman for no Batman and Robin, Batman Forever, whatever, the Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones one. When that one came out, McDonald's or Burger King, I think it was McDonald's, came out with these glasses with each of the which every with every character on it. Right. You know, they were small. They were like this size glasses, but they had like the Riddler, like the handle was his the question mark cane and it was like oh cool glasses my mom still has a few of them though that those were the days now they give you like these plastic toys that yeah don't, that don't mean anything sometimes they're not even from anything what is that what i know why don't they do like big deal glasses anymore that was the, that was like expensive man i guess they had to be but by the way, that was like the most brilliant form of marketing because you held on to that stupid glass for decades and yeah. it had the logo on it. It was just like being imprinted into your head that, you know, yeah, absolutely. You go in the, in the thing in your cabinet, staring you in the face. That's, you know, that's brand brilliant. Yeah. I can't tell I you used like, to have money to burn back then. I can't tell you how many meetings I would sit in and, and still do with some people. You know, and I go and they go, we got to do a promotion. What do you want to do? And I'm like, why don't we spend, why don't we spend like six, seven bucks, eight bucks, 10 bucks on an item that'll last people forever. We'll give it away to them. And they're like, nah, let's spend four cents on a pencil. They're going to throw away by the time they get to the parking lot. Okay, let's do that. It's unbelievable. Promotions. That's better. Is, is yeah. Promotions is such, everybody wants you to do something cool. But when you suggest it, yeah. it's we can't afford it. Yeah, and why, it's, why haven't you? But then it's why haven't you done this something cool? Like when you're not giving me money to do something. Yeah, cool. and it's always like we have five thousand dollars. What could we do? And I'll be like, okay, you can make a really big impact with this, with people that will be loyal to you then for a really long time. And then they're like, nah. Let's. What about the beach ball that nobody's going to use ever? Let's oh. do that thing. And you're like, oh, what the Jesus. item that people lose and break and throw yeah. away and never inflate? Or, yeah. It's it's it doesn't make any sense. T-shirts, T-shirts are always good. They last. They last a long a time. Yeah. People love them. People take them. Those are. All... I've seen people push little children out of the oh, way to catch a T-shirt. Winner. So. God, say what you're gonna say. Right. Now they were always a winner, and hats. Hats are big too. Yeah. You get a hat with a nice logo on it. It's like a not a crappy hat, like a. You know, like the truck driver hat. Those are, you know, with the netting in the back. You don't want one of those. You want a nice, solid hat. 
those are good. Yeah, but you know what's crazy? Those truck driver netting hats are so in now. That used to be the cheap, shitty thing. Now they're like stylish and fashion. Are they in? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah, trucker hats? Uh, trucker hats have my... gotten more expensive, too, in the promotional space, believe it or not. Trucker hats. Are, they're such... They're flimsy and they're uncomfortable and they're like putting a... It's like putting a cardboard box on your head. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like those. I don't like them. Yeah, what are you going to do? All right, uh, that's it for us. We're out of here. So uh, I hope you enjoyed the little bonus, uh, <laughs> little bonus McDonald's uh, tiki glass talk there. I think that yeah, they don't hear that stuff any, uh, just anywhere. <laughs> McDonald's, if you're listening, bring back some cool stuff. Bring back the glasses. People would be going crazy for that stuff right now. I got to tell you, I haven't been to McDonald's in a long time. They bring back glasses. You're there. there. I'm a customer again. You're in. Yeah. yeah. And the thing with McDonald's too, they're they're ordering those things at such a sheer quantity that it's probably ten cents a glass for them. It's probably nothing. Ordering, they're probably say that again. You're breaking all that, up. Yeah, I'm breaking up again. That's my internet crapping out on me. But uh, if uh, they, McDonald's probably owns enough factories that they can just have a plant that makes them on their own. They probably don't have to hire anybody to make these things anymore. True. They can Ham churn out their own promotional crap. The Hamburglar probably is uh, in charge of that, I would guess. I wouldn't put him in charge. I can't, <laughs> you can't trust the Hamburglar. What's the purple guy's name? Grimace. Grimace. Come on. It's, it's just a great name. Grimace. <laughs> Where the hell do they call it? It's just a big purple blob. <laughs> I, know his name I think left. he was supposed to be like the head McNugget. Is that it? He's like just a giant roided out chicken nugget i'm not really sure because <laughs> what the hell else is he i don't know why he's purple all right we're out of here thanks for listening and watching wherever you were watching or listening from appreciate it, as always rate and review on apple podcast and for all the information wait a second wait no 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 wait i have, i figured out why he's purple okay because if they made him chicken nugget colored he looks like he'd look like a testicle <laughs> <laughs> You got to change. They, they probably looked at him chicken nugget colored and they went, no, 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 no. Change the color. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll say you stuff. Say what you're going to say. Go to anthonyonair.com for more info. <laughs>